Spring football is in full swing. David Eichel and Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, the Swarmcast coming at you with a fresh episode just before the first open practice of this spring. And Iowa fans will get the chance to see their, at least a preview of their 2021 Hawkeye squad uh, when they take the field inside Kinnick Stadium for the first time in, what, 15, 16 months since the 2019 Holiday Bowl against USC. God dang, that's been a long time. Uh, plenty to get to. We've had the chance to catch up with about nine players and a few of the coaches. We'll get a chance to catch up with some more coaches as spring sort of uh, goes on. But Sean, just uh, right from the top, how, you know, I-, I want your take on this because I feel like for me, spring football used to be kind of a eh, kind of hit or miss thing. It's a little bit of excitement, but after not having it last year, I'm honestly stoked that it's back in, in the, you know, the headlines this season. Yeah, I mean, I say from a coverage standpoint, it's definitely up there. I mean, especially with, you know, this year and all that happened, that to have it back definitely gives people, you know, that sense of, like, normalcy, and especially now, like, going to games or, like, going to open practices. It gives you – I guess that's what it is. It gives people normalcy. And, you know, I kind of feel it too. And, you know, it's just kind of – it's just a different vibe that you like. I mean, every little tidbit that you hear, like, every little thing – that you hear about the team, it's kind of like, you know, you can look at and be like, okay, like that's pretty encouraging or that's something to look forward to. And, you know, that's probably one of the best parts of why this, this year is so good or this, this time of year is so good when it comes to football is that there just seems to always be something notable that comes up and, you know, people will just run with it and, you know, make a big deal, overanalyze it. And, you know, that could be good or bad, but I think for the most part, it's pretty good because that means you, you're excited about something definitely and I think it's already started to take off and I mean you look at this Iowa team Sean there's just plenty of storylines I think we'll need to get to and you know I I think that the first thing that kind of popped out to me Sean when I was going through the list I mean Iowa's defense is report I mean could probably be one of the best in the Big Ten I mean of course usually year in year out it is there's a lot of questions up front we'll dive into that in a bit and the secondary strong five returning stars then you add Xavier Williams the mix but Sean there's only four seniors on the two deep on defense. I mean, this is a very young, but experienced group that I think has plenty of upside. The four seniors, by the way, being uh, Zach Van Balkenberg, uh, Matt Hankins, Jack Kerner and, and Riley Moss. I mean, you just keep going down the list. I mean, I think it's really hard not to be excited about the defense, especially with how young, but how much experience there is in the, just at the, in the fold. Right. And I mean, we've seen it before in the past too, with the Iowa defense. I mean, we talk about those guys leaving the significant contributors leaving going to the NFL and, you know, and we're always like, Oh man, like who's going to step up in the place. And, you know, maybe they don't have that immediate impact right away, but you know, they, they fill a role and they keep building off of it and they keep producing. And I think that's what this team is going to have. I mean, you look at the defensive line, I mean, Yaya Black has gotten a lot of buzz. Um, Noah Shannon seems to be productive. Uh, Logan Jones, I think, could be a really good backup. Zach Van Valkenburg, excuse me, Zach Van Valkenburg. And, you know, the cornerbacks, everyone comes back in the whole secondary. Linebacker core, Jack Campbell is going to be really good this year. There's there's a lot to like about the defense. I, I don't think there's – I mean, that was one of the big concerns coming into the offseason, coming to the season, was how this defense would react, especially on the uh, – how this defense would look, especially on the defensive line. And, you know, all the buzz out of spring ball is that it really seems to be doing – they really seem to be doing what they need to do. And, 
you know, that's that's what you like to hear. It, it was interesting to me, Sean, that this Phil Parker said he could see as many as 10 guys report, you know, in that rotation, that defensive line. And Chris Reams making the two deep behind Zach Van Valkenburg. I, I want to say that was, you know, I wasn't blown away by that just based on the sort of the potential and hype he came in with. But I was a little bit surprised to see him on the two deep. And I think the most notable thing, he's up to 255. I mean, what did he come in to Iowa at 2, 220 at best, 225 maybe? I think he was 215. Yeah, I was like 215, sure, 225. Pretty sure it's 215. Sure and then you kind of go down the list. I really like, by the way, I love moving John Wagner back to the outside. I think that's where his potential is. I, I've never really seen him as an inside guy, but again, obviously I'm not the one uh, coaching him and seeing him on a game-by-game -game and day-by-day -day basis, but I like him moving back to the outside. And I think something else notable too, Sean, is – Logan Klemp making the two deep as well, right behind Dane Belton in that Leo slash cash spot. Uh, but I'm interested to see where he actually sits. Maybe he's a Barrington Wade type of role there because there seems to be a lot of buzz about Justin Jacobs, former four-star linebacker, All-American. He's on the two deep again behind Jack Campbell, but Phil Parker said he's working at multiple positions and he's starting to make a name for himself throughout spring ball. Yeah, there's, I mean, the linebacker core I think is once again going to be kind of a sleeper. I mean, we, we talked about the defensive line last year, but I thought the linebackers were really good. Nick Neiman produced. Yep. Jack Campbell, we saw what he could do when he was healthy. And, you know, Justin Jacobs, I think he's the type of guy that once he puts it all together, you can kind of just throw him out there and he can make plays. And I think the thing about Jack Campbell is that, you know, him and Justin Jacobs, they just cover so much ground. Like Jack Campbell, I mean, we talked we talk about all the time yeah. when we saw him at Bettendorf, he just – he just went he just went off because he could just cover so much ground sideline to sideline and you know that's what you like to see out of your young guys I mean keep in mind that Jack Campbell while he's a true was technically a true junior he technically could have two or three he could have two or three years left here at yeah. Iowa um you know Justin Jacobs has still got a lot of time you know that's just what the whole part of the defense is you know you got to be a different breed to come in right away and compete and you know, those guys are really talented, but I think that also says something about the guys in front of you that, you know, came before you, that those guys were also really talented. And I think those guys filling in behind them um, are going to be able to step up and, you know, meet that challenge, which is really, really encouraging. Yeah, you know, I think something that's sort of, you know, interesting to me too, you think about how much experience Dane Belton's had. You think about Tyler Goodson, he was the first team all Big Ten running back last year. Sean, a lot of these guys haven't gone through spring ball. And I think what people need to realize about spring ball is it really is different from summer workouts and fall camp. Fall camp is more so, you know, sort of that team development. You're, you're not totally locked into game plans yet. Uh, it's a little bit of personal development, but spring ball, it's all individual development. It's a very crucial time for a lot of people. And Tyler Goodson's about to get his first taste of that. Dane Belton's getting his first taste of that. I mean, a lot of the Iowa guys that are significant contributors on this team this is a big off season for them because you really feel like they can continue to kind of build up that strong foundation and you know, in-game experience that they've had. And, you know, I think that Phil Parker and Kirk Ferentz and the entire staff's really excited about what some of these guys can really do. And I think you look at a guy like Logan Lee, I think he's going to be able to make some noise this year. He's been praised ever since he basically got on campus. And, you know, I've said, I think the defensive line's riddled with a lot of talent, but it's untapped potential just because they haven't gotten the reps in. But I, I think you really look at the makeup of this defense and what the potential is to be, you have to love it. And I'll say this, 
I'm I'm all on board with the Kivon Merriweather train because I think he has a really, really good chance to have a breakout season. Just his athleticism and everything of the sort. I, I think he really is the complete package for for Phil Parker's defense. I think I'm really intrigued to see and hear about, you know, the new coaches too. I think George Barnett has has some Tim Polisek in him. From what I've heard, he's pretty intense. But like he knows what he just knows his stuff and you know, Liddell Betts, this is his first college gig. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been in the high school ball the past couple of years. So I'm really intrigued to see their development and what they can bring to the table. I've heard positive reviews so far, but, you know, you really don't know until you get on the field and you see what – I mean, obviously we don't see everything. We only can see what we see on Saturdays and what we hear about. And, you know, when we go this upcoming Saturday and in two weeks, but – I'm just really intrigued to see how, you know, those those guys have fit into the staff and, you know, how it how much different it looks on the sideline, too, with not having guys like Tim Polisek and Derek Foster on there. You know, it is going to be interesting, too, when you talk about Liddell Betts, Sean. I mean, he's working with a very thin running back room this in his first spring ball in his first college gig. I mean, Ivory Kelly Martin's still out with that knee injury that he sustained late in 2020. They have Tyler Goodson. They got Gavin Williams and LaShawn Williams, but – that's really it. That's the only three scholarship backs on deck. And you really have to be careful not to beat these guys up too bad. So I'm very interested to see what they've kind of done to adjust and how they've kind of gone through uh, spring football. And I know we won't get the chance to talk to Liddell or George until, you know, unfortunately near the end of spring ball, but I think that they'll be able to answer a lot more of these questions that we have because they've been with these guys now for the full spring. So maybe that's good timing on that part, but it will be their first public appearance since they, you know, were hired by Iowa but you know Sean let, let's go right into uh I'll flip, flip to the offense really quick I and mean, we'll kind of go back and forth by I mean obviously the number one thing we have to look for uh in this this season this spring is what's the development of Spencer Petrus and from everything I've heard throughout the first couple of media availabilities he's working to get the ball out quicker so I anticipate a little bit of redesign in the past game to be able to kind of emphasize get their quick guys out in space make some good throws and and, and occasionally take a deep shot downfield. But I, I think along those lines too is we talked to Tyrone Tracy today, who I anticipate being the breakout player on the offense. I think he's got the most complete skill set. One of the most complete skill sets a Kirk Ferentz era wide receiver has had as far as upside goes. But Tyrone said, yeah, you know, Petrus sort of struggled last year with accuracy, but he said, quote, his passes are right on the money so far this spring. And I think if you're an Iowa fan, uh, you have to love to hear that so far. Yeah, he's definitely the top guy in the room. Um, I think we should all really slow down on the Deuce Hogan out via chatter. I think Deuce is going to be the guy eventually, but Mm -hmm. I think you have to. I know it's hard for people to realize this, but I think you have to put your faith in Petrus at this point as opposed to some of the other guys. But, Dave, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Not necessarily a stat line, but what would you consider like a successful to consider a successful season for Spencer Peters? How would he have to do? Yeah, that's a ooh, that's a that's a really good question. I think sixty five percent or hovering around there has to be for completion percentage because fifty seven point one is not going to get done. He said his goal is to be at sixty five percent. I think if you can if you can go from fifty seven to sixty three and a half in one off season, I think that's pretty good. So I would say. That should be the baseline. Uh, as far as touchdown goes, you think about full season. 
You have the starting running back who's first team all Big Ten. You're going to give him the ball a lot. Gavin Williams, I think, can be a suitable backup. Ivory Kelly Martin will be sprinkled in there. 23 touchdowns and six interceptions. 23 touchdowns, six, seven interceptions, and 63.5% completion percentage. I think that's a very, very good, like very good step in the right direction if that happens. You know, you can fluctuate the touchdowns a little bit. Uh, you can fluctuate the interceptions a little bit, but as far as completion percentage goes, 63 and a half, I think that uh, I think it should be attainable because now he has a full season under his belt. He's worked with some of these guys and he has a full spring. I feel like that's that's like a really similar like Nate Stanley step. I think maybe it was 27 and seven or 27 and six that he had. He had 26 been... touchdowns twice. Okay. I believe. And then how many interceptions? Not a lot. Let me. Let me pull up the stat line real quick. Um, yeah, because, you know, Nate obviously kind of dropped off his, his final year, but that was for, a, you know, I think a variety of reasons. But let me go back through his stat line real quick. Uh, interceptions in 2019. He had he had 16 touchdowns, seven interceptions as a senior. Uh, you go back through his career passing stats. He had 26 touchdowns, 26 touchdowns, and he had six interceptions as a sophomore and 10 interceptions as a junior. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, so, I just think, you know, personally, I just think Peters needs to be – this is going to sound like dumb and cliche, but he just needs <laughs> to be suitable. He just needs to be, like, solid. Yeah. Like, I mean, Nate Stanley did not do anything, like, super special at quarterback. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were there any times where you were like, oh, my God, Nate Stanley, like, you've got to be kidding me. Obviously, like, you know, the Ohio State. Yeah, I was going to say the Ohio State. The Indiana, the touchdown he had at Indiana. But it's not like, you know. The Iowa State game, first career road start. We needed five touchdowns, no picks. It's not, But it's not like he, like, ever blew you out of the water with, like, his play and stuff. Like, he was just solid. And I think people took that for granted. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think that's fair. I think he – I mean, like any quarterback, I think he had a variety of, oh, my gosh, plays. I mean, you think about that deep pass to Hawkinson. I think it was against Wisconsin where he span around the pocket a few times and then pointed to Hawkinson just to go and then just threw it up as he got hit. And Hawkinson, with the pass interference, came down with it somehow. I mean, some of those plays, but then obviously you can – for every unbelievable Nate Stanley game, you can think of one where he's, it was like – you know, he probably should have came up a little bit more. Uh, but, of course, it's not always on one player. The offensive line struggled for him at times. Uh, right. but, but, yeah, you know, I, I think that's a completely fair point, too. I think that, you know, again, I feel like we say this every single year, Sean, but I think this year it's going to be more prominent than ever. Iowa's, Iowa can go as far as Spencer Petras can take him because I love the makeup of the defense. They have enough skill players in space. Uh, I think obviously Tyrone will need to be the guy. Nico needs to be consistent and they need to have a big year out of Sam Laporta and whoever the number two tight end is. I think it will be Luke Lachey and they'll have to be able to run the ball with Tyler Goodson. But, you know, Spencer has the pieces around him. Uh, you know, if, if they want to contend for the West, I think that they, sh- I think there's no reason why they really should not be contending for a Big Ten West title. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I was going to say something else too, but. I think wide receivers, that's something that I want to watch kind of closely. Because, I mean, Nico, from what I've heard, Nico's running the same position. Tyrone's running more out of the slot. But I think he's all could be an outside guy. And also Desmond Hudson, 
who is receiving some good buzz heading into his true freshman season. Supposedly he's been working a lot with the X position. So I'm really interested to see how, like, you know, those lineups go because last year it's like we only saw four receivers. But this year we could see, what, like five or six? I think it's safe. I don't want to say it's safe to say because there's so much more to do. But the early buzz does make me think that Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson are going to play to some extent. I don't know how right. much, but, but also, based on everything also, I'm hearing, yeah. Think about this, though. Like, Arlen, you see him run the slot, or do you see him, like, kind of, you know, in motion, maybe some wildcat stuff? I don't know. Like, and I think Keegan's, Keegan's an outside guy. I know that. Keegan him. has to. I think Keegan can – I think Keegan ultimately could play the Z where Emir did, but I think he's got to be an X. I think he's got to be an X, but at the same time, Sean – Think about how much success Tyrone Tracy had in his redshirt freshman season at X when Brandon Smith went down that 80-yard touchdown catch in the Wisconsin game. He had some of his best games in his yeah. Iowa career so far. It came when he replaced Brandon Smith. Yeah, Northwestern. So that's Wolverine. where I'm interested to see if Tyrone does run more in the slot or if he's you know outside a little bit. I know Desmond Hudson's received some good buzz and he can probably bring some different things, but, man, after watching Tyrone play the X – you know, it, it, I, I think that I think that Kelton Copeland and Brian Ferentz have some versatility and some different options that they could run. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Dude, there's a I'm on Twitter right now and there's a KFC fried chicken sandwich ad that I've been staring at for like the past three minutes. <laughs> and it is I have not eaten since like nine o'clock. And this thing is just holy crap. Wait, so what were you saying about? I said, <laughs> I said, uh, I'm keeping this in, by the way. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, I think ahead. that when you think about Tyrone had a couple of his best games at X <laughs> position, but uh, I think Brian and Kelton Copeland have some versatility. I mean, they got some options. And I think that if, if Spencer's comfortable throwing to different guys at different positions, I think that could help the Iowa, I think that's can can help the Iowa offense uh, going into the season. Definitely. I think, in, I mean, we talk about it all the time. It's been written. Everyone's talking about Tyrone needs to take that next step. And how does he take that next step? Eliminates the drops. I know he had one last year, but take keep into account he only had 14 receptions. So, I mean, that's that's a small sample size. But that's kind of like behind the scenes has been the talk is he's got to work on, you know, being more consistent with his hands and bringing golf balls down because – I mean, his his speed and his athleticism is going to draw so much attention. Like, he is no doubt Iowa's biggest deep threat yeah. on the roster with that playmaking ability. But he's just got to do it consistently. He's got to be the guy. He's got to be able to bring balls down. Um, he's got to be able to make plays. Like, you know, he can make plays with his feet, but can he go up and get a pass? Can he – he can break down as a defender and get open, but can he win that jump ball? You know, there's just a lot yeah. that we need to see that we just haven't, we just don't know yet. I think, you know, I think the biggest thing for him is, is what happens with athletic receivers. 
they want there and with the way Tyrone describes himself is he wants to be an electric playmaker and be explosive every time he, he has a chance to touch the ball. I think he gets so entrenched in that they that forget the most important part, bringing the ball in before looking up field. I think that's his biggest problem right now. Uh, but like you said, I think that there's so much potential he has, but at the same time, we need to continue to see what sort of progression that that he can really make. And like you said, I think Keegan's more of an outside guy too. I, I'm really interested to see how the reps go on Saturday. I really am because I, again, it's so it, a quote that stuck out to me today, Sean, we talked to, uh, we talked to Tyrone. No, excuse me. Max Cooper's Max Cooper's utilizing his extra year of eligibility is he said, yeah, you know, Arland and Keegan are learning the playbook much faster than I did. And I know people might say, oh, you know, that's interesting. Max Cooper saying that people forget Max Cooper played as a true freshman. He knows what it takes to play as a true freshman. So that's something that, you know, it's kind of really hasn't left my mind since that interview is if he's saying that these two early enrollee freshmen are learning the playbook and making plays on the field, you know, I, again, I, I, I'm not crazy enough to sit here and say they start, but maybe they emerge as the fourth and fifth option. I, I'm very interested about the uh, the whole Max Cooper situation. I was very – I wouldn't say I was surprised, but I think when you don't play much in the past couple of years and you're a senior at that point, maybe he just loves college, I don't know, or maybe he just wants to stay around. But, like, I feel like you wouldn't come back unless you know that you're going to have a role this year. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, in some ways, yeah. Uh, man, I, I, you know, I, here's the thing. I hate overanalyzing these quotes and stuff, right. but at the same time, it feels like we sort of have to because I don't want people to throw unrealistic expectations on two true freshmen to quote-unquote change the passing game or bring in this new wave of receivers. I think both of them will be high-level contributors in the future, but like everything else when it comes to football, patience. Patience and letting guys develop is probably going to be the biggest thing. So yeah, I agree. I agree with you. So I, I think we need to talk the offensive line, Sean. We got a few minutes left here. And obviously we'll have much more uh, in the coming days and in weeks with spring football. The offensive line, Tyler Linderbaum and a whole hodgepodge of pot- untapped potential. But at the same time, you look at guys like uh, Kyler Schott, uh, Justin Britt, who I think could be in for a big, big year. I really like his potential. Cody Ince is listed starting right tackle, but again, he's going to be out for the spring due to an undisclosed injury. Jack Plum starting at left tackle did get the chance to play last year. Mason Richmond, who Tim Polisek was a huge fan of and, you know, 24 seven sports got it right. When others were listing him as a two-star, uh, our guys did a great job identifying his talent, moving him up to a four-star uh, he's the backup at left tackle right now, 6'6", 290. Redshirt freshman, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, and it is interesting, too. I think I'm only going to mention this, Sean, because it, it's still worth noting. But I think the writing's on the wall. Noah Fenske was listed as Iowa's backup center, and I do believe that would have been the case. But I think there's a variety of reasons why he left. But you have to think, Sean, it was the addition of Michael Mislinski uh, that really kind of – I don't want to say pushed Noah out, but would have severely limited as far it would have severely limited his potential 
uh, in game reps once he got on campus. Yeah, I, I didn't talk to Noah after he entered the portal. Um, but from what kind of I've heard is that I think he just wanted, you know, to get a different perspective of things at another place. I could see him being a pretty good contributor at a place like UNI or one of the nearby FCS schools, one of the Dakotas. But, yeah, I think maybe the addition of Michael Mislinski had something to do with it. I mean, Fenske was a guy that could play all over the offensive line. Yeah. Not, not to the, um, you know, degree of Cody Ince, but I think Fenske was a really, really solid player. I think he, you know, if he put down – if he weighed a little less, he could have played anywhere on the offensive line. But, I mean, oh, well, that's he'll, – he'll figure something out. He'll, he'll have a good career elsewhere. He's got the athleticism, the physicality to be able to make a difference at some program. I mean, athleticism and everything was never a question. But uh, to go back to kind of the stuff about the offensive line, Sean, I think you have to think that Jack Plum's going to start left tackle this season. I'm interested to yep. see what happens with Cody Ince. Uh, Nick DeJong uh, from Pella, Iowa, 6'6", 296, making the backup there. But at the same time, I think Mason Richmond uh, could have a say there as well because I don't think Iowa's going to be able to keep Mason Richmond on the uh, – on the bench for, for long. I think that his potential again, uh, it's probably as high as anyone's on, on the offensive line outside of, of Tyler Linderbaum. I'm not going to put anybody in the category of Tyler Linderbaum because he's coming in as the nation's best center entering this season. Yeah. The offensive line, a lot of good storylines here. I mean, we Tyler or Kirk Karen's always talked about Justin Britt, what he liked about him, Linderbaum going to be Linderbaum. Kyler shot who has honestly seemed like he's been there forever. Um, is listed as a star Tyler Ellsbury, another four star in the 2020 class. I thought that was really interesting. I was looking at the 2D um, when it first came out. And, you know, a lot of people were like, why is I when we're taking three offensive linemen in this class? All three offensive linemen are listed on the 2D. Yeah. You know, or in the, from the 2020 class, Mason yep. Richmond, Tyler Ellsbury, Josh Wolf. I know that, you know, we're not supposed to look that far into the spring ball two deeps, but I mean, I feel like that's just notable. That's I think Josh do. is. I think Josh is good ability, but I think there's some things he needs to work out mentally in terms of like, you know, getting some stuff down in terms of like where he needs to block, what kind of block is it, um, kind of stuff like that. And I think Mason Richmond, I've heard really good positive things about him as well, that the Iowa coaches see a lot in him and, you know, his upside. And he's put on some good weight since he's been to school, which has been promising to see. Um, but there, I think there's a lot to like about the offensive line. I mean, Jack Plum, I think what we what we saw last year from him was really promising. I think he's gonna be the guy that takes his game to the next level. Cody Ince, I mean, we've heard about his athleticism and how um, you know well he can play all five spots. And Nick DeJong, maybe he's not listed as a starter, but I think he could be a guy that you know gets more reps as the year goes on. Or you know, God forbid, an injury happens, he could be the guy to step in there. But I think there's a lot of talent and upside on this line, Nate. I definitely think there is a uh, chance that it could be one of the better ones in the Big Ten. It doesn't have, you know, the household name outside of Linderbaum, but I think it's just rock solid across the board. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think it's un, un, unproven talent, and I, that, I don't mean for that to sound as negative as it does. I just think that these guys need reps. I think that's the biggest thing. That's why spring ball – Iowa's going to be in a lot better position this year, Sean, just because they had spring ball. I'm a, I know you can say that about almost every team, but just with what Iowa's losing and the guys who are getting the reps, I think they're going to be in such a better position entering the 2021 season. But 
you know, I know we keep kind of bouncing around here, Sean, but I, I want to get back to Spencer real quick. You asked me about what my stat line would be for him and kind of what I want to see out of him. I, I guess the only other thing I'll add before I ask you this question is I want to see Spencer be calm in the pocket because you could tell when one negative play happened, he would get so antsy in the pocket. His footwork was sloppy. He was kind of the, I call it happy feet, just sort of bouncing around all the time, not really being balanced and I think that goes a long way. And I think he's like most quarterbacks. He's a very, very rhythm oriented guy. So I want to see him be calm in the pocket, be confident in the pocket and be able to make these reads. And we talked about the the release time, but I guess, what do you want to see out of Spencer during spring ball? And I guess entering the 2021 season. Yeah, definitely consistency and more confidence. I think, um, Ken O'Keefe brought up a good point that, you know, it's it's his second year starting. Like, you expect him to take that extra step. And, you know, I think we'll see that. I honestly think we'll see that. I think he has a year under his belt, and, you know, that's going to make him feel more comfortable and, you know, make him feel better about where things are at and, you know, the offense. I mean, I know he won't have guys like Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset there, but, you know, he's got other weapons around him that, you know, may not be proven, but, you know, we like what we hear from behind the scenes and how, you know, they can, they can come together. Um, and I think, yeah, this spring ball is going to be great and summer too. And just a, hopefully a more normal schedule with everything and, you know, having the non-conference games, not going right in. Oh, actually they are going right in the big 10 play against Indiana, but yeah. um, you know, you get those extra games against, you know, Kent state, Colorado state, I mean, obviously, Iowa State's not going to be a walk in the park. <laughs> I was going to say, they had the, probably one of the toughest one-two opening games in the country, yes. just as far as yes. a dynamic duo. I mean, Indiana and Iowa State, imagine saying that five years ago, Sean. Yeah. On the toughest one-two games, then you get Indiana-Iowa State. Yeah, that's crazy to me. <laughs> Maybe in basketball, but – Yeah, yeah. Not – not football. <laughs> no, not football by any means. Then you look at where the basketball programs are like right now after last season versus their football programs. I mean, talk about 2020 in a nutshell. I mean, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I'm sorry, Sean. Go ahead. That is just that's just crazy to me. And, and keep in mind, Iowa State returns almost everybody in the offense, like everybody that started, and then Indiana gets Michael Penix back. Yeah, it's going to be – those are two very athletic and up-and-coming programs that, you know, have a lot of hype around them. And, you know, Iowa has always kind of been that consistent, you know, nose to the grind, kind of low-key, um, you know, go about our business. But, you know, both those programs have been kind of, you know, pushed around by Iowa the past couple of years, and they're going to want to have a say. So, and then, you know, someone brought up a good point to me about this. You know, you look at Indiana – you look at Iowa State, I know Iowa's had success over Iowa State the past couple of years, but what's Iowa known for at the start of the regular season? Go ahead and say it. You already know you already know I know it. Starting out slow. Yep. Yep. So I mean Indiana's getting them in a good time. Now who knows what the Hoosiers are gonna open up like, but you know, those you can't have those bad starts. You can't it, have it. it. It's interesting to me too, though, and obviously we have plenty of time to dive into this, but I'm also interested to see how Indiana and Iowa State respond because this is without a doubt, without a doubt, the highest expectations they've ever had entering a season. I don't know about Indiana. I think Indiana too, but Iowa State certainly. I mean, they're going to be a top eight team in the country preseason, at minimum top 10, I think. I'm interested to see can they 
you know, does the pressure kind of get to them or they get come out strong and, you know, look to kind of reprove themselves entering the season? Yeah. Hoosiers are going to be a very, very interesting football team. So is Iowa State. I don't think an Iowa State team has ever had this much expectations going into the regular season. It's going to be very, very fascinating to see those to see how Iowa does in those first two games. Yeah, and a couple other final notes about the initial depth chart. And obviously, again, we'll we'll come back with another episode probably on Saturday, Sean, just immediately after spring ball, go through our takes and what we saw. I think they'll uh I think we'll do that too. Uh Reggie Bracey, backup strong safety to Kevon Merriweather, not entirely surprising. Uh we both kind of thought he was undervalued, not by you know, recruiting service. I thought we that 24-7 did a nice job rating him. Uh, but as far as high major offers, he but he did get more. He's never reported it. Is that correct, Sean? Yeah, he said more schools are reaching out. I think a couple of uh, Big 12 and ACC schools are reaching out. But, yeah, I mean, Iowa offered him pretty early in the process. And, you know, some schools backed off because, you know, he was hurt for a little bit. But now he now he's balling out or he has potential to be a really good player at Iowa. You know, he kind of, during his recruiting process, he, he took loyalty to a whole new level because he could have seen what those other schools were offered, but Iowa was one of the first to believe in him, and, you know, he took the chance. Derek Foster uh, right there as well. Uh, Jay Higgins, Mike linebacker behind, uh, behind Seth Benson. I don't think that's surprising to either one of us based on what we've kind of heard and what we've kind of seen over the past year, ever basically ever since he got since he got on campus. Uh I think that's about it for the two deeps as far as surprise go. Uh, obviously, by the way, we haven't mentioned Joe Evans is the backup to John Wagner at left end. He'll obviously be a package guy, but we've seen what he can kind of do as well. He's still hovering about that 248, 253 range as far as weight, but his explosiveness and his power uh, can throw off even huge, you know, right tackles, uh, left tackles. So again, it'll be a, a lot of storylines, just a lot of untapped, you know, not un, again, not unproven guys, but a lot of things need to watch on. So I guess before we wrap this up, Sean, and by the way, we will do a whole nother podcast breaking down basketball and the offseason departures. Uh, the reason why we elected to wait is Fran McCaffrey is having a Zoom press conference on Wednesday, a.k.a. tomorrow at 1.30. So be sure to stay tuned to Hawkeye Insider for that. And obviously we'll talk uh, whatever he has to say. And much, much more. So, Sean, any other final final notes about spring ball before we uh, wrap this up? No, I, I got nothing else. You gonna go get that I'm, chicken sandwich now? No, I can't. <laughs> can't do it. I'm cutting. I'm cutting. So, not gonna I lie. I uh, not gonna lie. I looked it up after you said that. And now I might. Uh, I might need to go sneak one or two. Yeah. Uh, I just. My, I just cannot. <laughs> my car is parked across the street um in one of the lots and it is just so it is just such a pain in the butt yeah to walk go pick something up park that car again because i i live right next to a biotest or not right next i'm parked next to biotest yeah but i'm like parked in like the first spot or like <laughs> oh, the last spot in the lot yeah so yeah. like right next to the bio test parking so people will think if i'm not there that that's like plasma parking for plasma oh, that's annoying so i've had to like call yeah it's it's very annoying and yeah. i always i every time i like drive up i like pray that it's not <laughs> there's not a car there. <laughs> all right I, I i don't think i have any other final notes but uh yeah again hawkeyeinsider.com 
uh, for the most you know in-depth, complete coverage for your Iowa Hawkeyes. Be sure to follow us at David I. Colt, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247. And, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of coverage from uh, tomorrow's press conference, spring game on Saturday, and much, much more. Be on the lookout as well. I'm hosting uh, a podcast with former Iowa kicker Keith Duncan, and that's sure to be incredibly entertaining if I do say so myself. So be sure to stay tuned to that. So David Eichelt, Sean Box, Swarmcast signing off. Thanks. Talk in a few days. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.